This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to Homestar Radio. My name is Chris Hamling and I'm your host tonight as we look back on a 1-0 Palace defeat against Tottenham Hotspur at Wembley. Sounds weird, doesn't it? At Wembley. Anyway, uh, it was a very strong performance by the Eagles, but unfortunately they couldn't take on a number of clear-cut chances that they created and unfortunately left with zero points. We'll be giving you our views on all the events from the game. We want to hear from you too. Do go to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out all the ways to get touch with the show tonight including the chat room holradio.net forward slash chat we'll be back in just a minute there are 99 reasons to hate brighton homophobia homophobia doesn't need to be one of them follow us on twitter at proud and palace just just checking to see if i'm allowed to talk now (laughs) Uh, if you're at home as Nick has suggested uh, during the course of that introduction there uh, have a guess who's producing today just uh, tweet at HOL Radio just have a little guess that is a joke I don't want to hurt his confidence this early on and he does have buttons he can press so I like (laughs) he's certainly pressing yours (laughs) (laughs) anyway I best introduce the panel (laughs) that voice you heard there was with Mr Nick Gillard hello kids yeah uh, we've also got tim warren good evening hi right, tim you've been on enough that i remember your surname it's good yeah thanks very much no and right we've also a little treat for you got mr dr kernes hello hello indeed a nice little buzz as you spoke there as well that's good it's good good to have good quality microphone <laughs> Anyway, so uh, another defeat, unfortunately, for Palace today, but a very, very positive performance. We'll be getting into the nuts and bolts of that in just a moment. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. So, gents, let's get into this. Uh, I want to start, as we usually do, by talking about the lineup that Roy Hodgson went with. So, tactically, we've gone back uh, once again to the 4 4 2 with. Townsend and Zaha up front, Schlupp playing left, Ruben Loftus-Cheek playing right-hand side, 
Kubai and uh, Luca in the middle. And a back four this week. Uh, uh, Mamadou Sako was back, which was a huge positive. And of course, we had Fosu Mensah playing right back and Joel Ward left back with Patrick Varane help out injured. And also, Nick, he was, uh, he was he injured. He was injured, but also something else, was it? Well, A, he's been rubbish lately and quite rightly dropped. I'd have dropped him anyway. But B, um, smoking a shisha pipe directly after some game. I hadn't, oh, excuse me, I hadn't seen it, and um, it's in the Daily Star. I, I just it, you know, uh, on one of the forums, they've got like a, a, a list of um, I, uh, newspaper articles about Palace, and uh, it said Palace Ace in Shisha Shocker or something like that. Why ace. is it always Ace? <laughs> they're, not, they're rubbish. Well, it's not just that, is it? You know, it's it's the terminology these days. It's all like you say, England Ace, Premier League Ace. Whatever it is. I miss the days when it was midfield schemer. Do you remember those? Yeah, yeah, midfield general. There's a, there was actually a brilliant Radio 4 programme uh, a few weeks ago. I think it's still on the uh, radio player, iPlayer thingy. Uh, word of mouth. And uh, it's all about football vernacular. Fantastic. That's really worth listening. Oh, uh, I'll check that one out. Uh, anyway, so uh, Nick will be in the chat room, holradio.net forward slash chat. And DR Kernas is looking at Facebook sort of well he's trying to anyway let's let's just hope you get your messages through on that and i will of course be sweeping up the tweets at hol radio so uh gents i think you will see had your say on uh on van arnholt there uh tim sacco being back first of all huge bonus today wasn't it massive lift absolutely massive and i think we saw that throughout the game to be honest he was just immense he was absolutely everywhere um so, yeah, when we saw his name on the team sheet, that was definitely the biggest plus, I think, um, you know, in the lineup. Absolutely right. And, you know, it was a, it was a very, very strong game from him as well. Um, you know, I, I had, uh, due to the early kickoff, I ended up selling my ticket and watching, watching it on TV. Terrible, isn't it? Terrible what I've become. But, um, but I did, uh, I, one of the commentators said, uh, you know, Sacco doesn't look like he uh, doesn't look like he likes heading the ball started to be sort of critical of him in the air so i wonder what game these people watch sometimes you know sacco's an incredible defender and there were so many moments in the game where you know he looked like he was going to get caught with the ball but just a little bit of skill uh got him got him away from trouble you know he's, he's a real class player um <laughs> what's that next from the chat room uh whole radio.net forward slash chat toby reed 24 said uh much even much would be classed as a palace ace <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I'm really not. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so um, so yeah, look, big positive getting Sacco back. So, but obviously that the fullbacks. I I don't know. I still felt Ward looked almost more comfortable at left back. What did you think, Dr? He did. Um, you have to give him credit for that. Last game, he, he seemed like he was all over the place. But I think why he did look so good was Slop. Um, Slop was there helping him out all game, which we didn't see last game with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And like that, um, both of them coordinated well during the game. Every time I looked at both of them, uh, well, on TV when I was looking at both of them, they all seemed to communicate well. And I think Slop did help out Ward very well. So, I mean, and again, you know, Tim, you got the, the sort of, the, the view from the game was it was it a similar thing did, did Ward look more comfortable because I'll come to Fosu Mensah in a moment I've got some comments on that but what did you think about Ward at left back yeah I agree totally with uh, DR there I thought Ward looked um, very accomplished at left back and um, I think I said it kind of um, the other week it, it might be worth swapping him over to the left hand side because um, he obviously did that with the uh, when Pudis was in charge 
Um, he, I think when he plays on the left-hand side, he, he just does the basics. He doesn't try and do too much. It's not overcomplicated. He just, uh, his position is better. Um, and he, he just does the simple stuff, really, which, which suits him better. It's, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, weirdly, he ends up contributing more further up the field, I think. I think great observation by DR with the, with the protection that Schlupp gave him. But also, because you know, Schlupp's left foot can go the outside, it allows Ward to sort of come in field from that position a little bit. And he didn't get much more involved in the sort of the passing. And, you know, it was, was solid defensively. But then you flip it to the other side. You look at Fosu Mensah and... He had a, a reasonable game, but we were talking last week about the the fact that Cresswell got through so easily on the um, on on the uh, well the West Ham left the Palace right, and we were sort of berating Ward a little bit for that. But we did talk a little bit about the lack of protection he was getting ahead of him from the um, uh, lack of protection he was getting ahead of him from. Guys, could you start with the messages? Sorry, I really have to sorry to break to break the fourth wall there. But there's so much crap being posted on this message chat that it's incredibly distracting. I'm Shall I explain to... for the listeners? We've 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 got an automated message, messaging system, and Lions five fifty in the chat room has said, "Who's this slup guy? New signing." Well, Mike the producer's obviously got that ready for a. Um, show so when he types in new signing we get this we've got a confirmed signing yeah uh, yeah so we've got a a slack bot is telling us we've signed someone uh, (laughs) so anyway can we please guys let's get this back on track so Fosu Mensah uh, was we talked about last week with Ward was lacking the protection from Loftus Cheek and I thought it was very much the same uh, for Fosu Mensah this week Nick yeah it did I mean I thought Fosu Mensah I thought he made a couple of uh, errors today that could have been uh, costly. Uh, he gave the ball away very cheaply, sort of in the first third of the of our half, I thought, when he tried to dribble out. But other than that, he was solid, I thought. Um, yeah. Getting forward a few times towards... Um, getting... <laughs> really don't know what happened there either. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> something's, something's going on. Anyway, so... Um... Uh, Hello, hello, Nick. You all right there, mate? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I don't know what went on there. No, something's well. We know, we know what's happening. You know, Tom's producing, so therefore everything is uh, is going terribly. Apparently, we went off air for a minute. I just I just give up. We should have done this as a podcast only, shouldn't we? Then that way, the stress would have gone, and uh, and would have actually made some sense. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say that you were sort of agreeing with me, Nick. But yeah. Again, so let's. I'll try to focus a little bit on Loftus Cheek and, and the fact that he's. Should he really be playing on the right hand side of midfield? I'm not sure. He didn't convince me today. I, but didn't he play there towards the start of the season and look very, very good? He, he doesn't seem to have that verve that he had at the beginning of the season. I don't know why that is. I go. I go back to what happened when uh, we made the change of the course of this game. Hodgson took Ward off. Uh, dropped uh, Jeffrey Schlupp back to to left back, and um, and that that allows Wilf to go naturally out wide, Townsend to go naturally out wide. And unf- unfortunately, it does mean Bakary Sacco going up front. But uh, but basically, that allows Loftus Cheek to go into the middle of the pitch, and he's, I just think he's much more effective there. Uh, and I think that points the way to the system that we should be playing. I understand why we're not. It's because we don't have. The spearhead, you know, in, in Benteke or Wickham or another striker that we perhaps should have bought uh, to actually play that system. But for me, that's the system we've got to move to as soon as the uh, as soon as the squad allows it. Um, so anyway, look, we'll, 
we'll, we'll talk about um, oh yeah, so we'll, I mean, Benteke should apparently be back in contention after the international break, which is a which is a big plus for us. He's had six, seven weeks out now, so apparently he should be training fully ne- next week. Uh, with a view to being selected uh, against Everton, of course, who've had a sudden upturn. Uh, Nick, you want to make a point about the defence? Yeah, but I don't. Uh, people in the chat room do. Um, Grumpy Mort said the back four gave the ball back to Spurs every time. I kind of agree with him for some of it, but they look good blocking, and every time the ball was kicked to Spurs players rather than clearing it. Um, Toby Reid, uh, Spurs had a hell of a lot of possession in the first half. But the defence and midfield dealt with it, so they barely had any chances. So two different opinions there about defence. Yeah, I, th- I think... Uh, well, I, I, I think there was definitely a spell, and it did. It, we'll get to it because it was where we, when we conceded, where literally it was just hack the ball away continuously. Um, but I think there was also times where, particularly when Sacco was the one leading the passing out of the back, where we did look fairly composed, I think. Um, but, you know, look, I get the point. Um, but but I, I don't think that's perhaps where, where we lost the game. I think where we lost the game was not taking our chances quite clearly. And, and let's uh, let's talk about a few of the incidents. So, you know, from, from kickoff, for three minutes in, we got, um, got a, we got a really good early chance. And um, it was it was a ball in towards Sacco into the box, and uh, he's just gone to get his head to it. It looks like he. Um, sorry, Nick. There's a hell of a lot of background noise for you breathing into your microphone. I was going to tell you in the chat, but it was getting unbearable. Careful. This is terrible. <laughs> anyway, ball into Sacco, and uh, looks like he's going to put his head on it. Not with ball into the net. Just seems to pull away at the last moment, but gets absolutely clattered by the keeper. Now, nobody's talking about whether or not it was a penalty, but we went straight to that discussion in our off-air chat before we started. So let's get some views on that. I'll start with you, DR. Uh, yeah, it was a penalty. Um, the goalkeeper did try and punch out the ball, but he just uh, hit Sacco with his hand. He literally punched Sacco. But am I surprised it was not given? I'm not surprised because when it comes to penalties, um, last game we saw it as well when Wilf got... Um, when Fonte took Wilf out, but Wilf didn't drop drastically. It was not a penalty. And also this this game as well, When I think referees, especially when it is penalties, they have their own deci- decisions. They don't follow the rules. Uh, if they did follow the rules, that would have been a penalty because he didn't um, get the ball at all. But that's what I feel like that's what's happening. And it's quite annoying because it's now two games where we should have had penalties where we didn't have it. But of course... Well, again, you you kind of you have to claim for them, though, don't you, dear? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, Sacco's Sacco's taken a, a blow to the head, fallen over, but no one no one's really claiming for the pen. They're all kind of bemoaning the missed chance. But you know, if if you don't sort of turn to the, turn to the ref and at least sort of ask the question, you you're definitely not going to get it, are you? Yeah, but then if the referee always doesn't make up his mind. Um, yeah, you do, you should turn to the ref. And then when you do turn to the ref, the ref is going to be like, no, it's not a penalty. The referee would already make up his mind. If it was a penalty, he would blow his whistle straight away. Maybe it might give the referee to something to think about, but it wouldn't change anything. It, it still wouldn't be in a penalty. Yeah, I get what you mean. I'm not one of those who wants, you know, people to start screaming at referees. But, you know, there's some very successful teams in the past who... That's what they do. That's their thing. No one likes it. No one likes to see it. But they, you know, they make sure the ref hears when, what they think continuously. You know, and I think maybe we got to get back into doing the sort of the, the dark arts of the game a little bit. Tim, at the game, was there any kind of reaction to whether or not it could have been a penalty? 
I mean, to be honest, for my view, it was obviously quite a way away down the other end. Um, I saw Wilf put the ball in and then trying to Sacco go to the ground. But I must admit, because of what you just said, there was no appeal appeal from anyone. Um, to me, it just looked like he, you know, it was an innocuous challenge kind of thing, and he 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 got injured. But it was only when I come home on the train that um, a neutral fan said, "Oh, you should have had a penalty in the first couple of minutes." I, I had to think back what was the incident, and then obviously I realised it was that Sacco at the back post. But at the time. Um, no, I didn't. Didn't sort of sense there was uh, any appeal. Uh, absolutely right, Nick. Uh, just your view on that. Again, you said before the show you thought it was a penalty, you know. But but on this this idea of you know at least I know it's not cricket, is it? You don't have to you don't have to appeal for the decision from the umpire or whatever. But you know you know what I mean. We should no. surely be putting pressure on the ref. Well, yeah, just by staying down and holding your head like a certain Tottenham player did later on in the game um, that affected. Um, things a little bit I think um, yeah. yeah he was slapped around the face by the goalie the goalie has completely missed the ball and slapped our player around the face now how that ain't a penalty I don't know yeah, well there you go so again frustrating moment in the game and um, I think it's fair to say after that there was a quite a an extended period of Spurs possession where they they tried to break us down but this is what Hodgson's done with the team he's you know, we talk about it pretty much every week now, where the shape is very solid, the distances between players are quite tight. It's a very, very difficult unit to break down. Um, they, they have to throw people forward. They were really only getting joy down that uh, that left hand side, Tim, with uh, with Danny Rose, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, to be honest, um, it was just we were putting bodies in front of the ball all the time. I mean, it was it was good to see that organisation there and. Uh, um, and it was frustrating for Tottenham, I'm sure. But, um, I mean, Sacco, Sacco was just getting in the way of everything. You know, um, you said earlier about him not having the ability to head. He just gets anything in the way just to sort of, you know, um, intercept that ball. And, and Dan was doing exactly the same thing. So, um, from that perspective, I thought the structure and the organisation of the of the bat line um, was, was, was great in those early moments of the game. Yeah, def- definitely was. You say, as, as I mentioned, the, the only concern was was Rose getting in on the overlap. And that, again, goes back to this idea of, of, of Loftus cheek ahead to protect him. But we've, we've done that topic, really. So it was, Spurs really didn't create what I'd call a, you know, a clear-cut chance. The next real clear-cut chance came about half hour into the game where, you know, we got ourselves a corner. Balls come in. Scott Dan's got up, headed it perfectly. I mean, absolutely perfectly. And I'm celebrating as soon as it meets his head. You know, I've jumped up and started screaming, come on! And then... And then the keepers, he just pulled off a great save, Nick. Oh, typical debut goalie, third choice keeper. You think, oh, right, we'll get loads here. He gets bloody man of the match. Why does it always happen to us? It's well, that exactly. or, or best worldy. No, um, Dan was immense in the first half, I thought, not just getting forward and getting those headers in, but at the back. But, yeah, it was a, it was a chance. It was a great save by the keeper. And again, Tim, the reaction of the ground, did you think it was in? I thought it was in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then you're kind of waiting for the, the keeper to sort of blunder and, and parry it out and someone hit it into the empty net. But kind of as, as you know, the frustration for us, it just got cleared away and uh, there was no one there to tuck it in. Is it, uh, is it typical of our luck, Dior, do you think, at the moment, where you get you get a clear header from a corner? You can't really ask him to do anything more than what he's done. He's actually headed it down, so it's going to hit bottom corner. And just just the keeper's just come out of nowhere and just got, got a really strong hand to it. Yeah, Chris, it's not only this game. Against West Ham, luck wasn't on our side. Against Newcastle, I don't think we should have lost that. Luck wasn't on our side. 
you know, we've been performing well and it's just luck. And I don't know what else we could do other than be lucky. We, some t- all teams, even teams that win the league, they need, they need a bit of luck and we're not getting that right now. If we did get a piece of luck, um, we wouldn't be in the situation. And there's nothing Scott Dan could have done. He was a fantastic header and a brilliant save. As 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 was said, the re- the rebound doesn't go to a Palace player. It's hooked out by a Spurs player. Nick, I'll be in the chat room. Go, it goes back to the, the referee question, I think. Yeah, the BT ref. Um, we're having some discussion about whether it was Graham Pohl or Chris Foy. We don't know. Um, said, according to the rules, it is a penalty, but no ref would give it, which is totally strange. Why do refs make up the rules? Yeah. Um, can I quickly jump on that? That's that's what I was saying earlier. Um, when it comes to penalties, it was it was clear foul, but I think you need to be drastic as a player and you have to go down with more, like um, try and act like you've dived to get a penalty. And that's the annoying part about it because referees they look at your reaction instead of the actual foul sometimes. And yeah, yeah, yeah I mean you, we we don't want to keep going over the, the, the same topic, but it just it it's the sort of thing that does encourage diving it does encourage making the most of challenges because if you give the ref a, a get out you know a ref should be strong and i've said this a lot on this show over the last what seven nearly eight years where all you really want from a referee is for them to have the courage of their convictions not to take an easy out and uh, it's a it's you know it always feels like the referee standards are getting worse but i do remember it being considerably worse in in the championship in terms of refereeing because they uh they always, I, I found, were really affected by the crowd. Uh, particularly Cardiff springs to mind uh, because the, the Cardiff fans used to get on the ref back from minute one, moan about every decision, and you just, you'd see them crumble like in front of your very eyes. I think you do get a little bit less of that in the Premier League, but you still are getting, as has been said by Cole Eagle and, and, and by Dia, that you're getting referees kind of, whether they're making up their own rules or interpreting it in a, in a way that that the rules allow them. I don't, I don't know what the exact uh, answer is there, but they are certainly being able to duck a decision decision if they want to duck a decision. And that's, that is frustrating for me because I do wonder you go up the other end and it's Julian Spironi punching Harry Kane in the face. I'm pretty sure you get a penalty. Nick. Um, I think it was in the Man United Chelsea game today. The, the ref made a bit of a howler and uh, he gave a corner when it should have most definitely been a goal kick and you could tell by the Chelsea player's face that it, it should have been a goal kick anyway the corner came in and as it came in the ref just blew for a foul because he knew he made a mistake <laughs> he said there was pushing over there <laughs> and he just righted his wrong that was that was good refing um, yeah. Lions, Lions 550 says what should happen is refs should be having retrospective action for not giving these things but that does that mean people have dived more that's in the whole radio.net forward slash chat yeah that's an interesting one i've always thought i you know I, I think it was warnock who probably said this uh which is one of the things i always tend to agree with on refereeing well i don't think you necessarily have retrospective action because you know it's not really fair is it to sort of punish you punish a referee by making him referee a championship game it's like then you're punishing the championship teams for for poor referees but i do think a referee should have to explain himself <laughs> the same the same the same way a manager has to explain himself to you know to the that, that's how it should work. Do I, do I remember you once complaining in the show about us getting a Premier League uh, relegated referee for one of our championship games and you really <laughs> going, we don't want him? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm on the other side of it and I'm still agreeing with myself. Yeah. yeah. It's good, isn't it? Consistent. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I do, I do genuinely believe that if you were to, you know, you don't want to, you're not trying to hang people out to dry because it is a tough job and they have to do, you know, they're, they're making decisions in a fraction of a second that we get to see over and over again when they get them wrong. But I do think it's just if they had at least had to explain their thinking. So if you were to be able to get the ref today and put him in front of a, a screen after the game where he's had no chance to think about it, just like you do managers, and say, look, have a look at this clip. See how the keeper punches Sacco in the face. Why isn't that a penalty? And just ask the question, you know. And, and I think bringing that level of focus onto referees might might do something um but there you go getting on my soapbox again aren't i so uh one of the things i wanted to pick out from the first half and it did continue into the second half and i'm gonna gonna ask you this tim so get prepared yeah go on <laughs> it's about it's about wilfred zaha but not yep. about his, his performance in, in especially although I will, I will talk about that a bit later but it's the battle he was having with davidson sanchez now sanchez really seemed to sort of I wouldn't say he was man marking Wilf but he would come out to him very very quickly I mean Aurier was around there as well we got quite tight to him but Sanchez seemed to follow Wilf around and he was very very physical on Wilf really sort of lots of pushes off the ball lots of sly little digs um, Wilf didn't get wound up like he used to but it did seem to affect his game was that something you noticed uh, at the match? Yeah, I noticed there was there was one particular instance where Wilf was running towards the ball and he just sort of barged him completely off it, um, and and then it was just remarkable that the referee just played on. Tottenham just got the ball, went you know went back towards our goal, and I just couldn't believe that that wasn't a free kick. So yes, I think he he definitely had a tough game today in that, and and if it wasn't one person marking him, it was definitely they were doubling up on him as well. So there's another instance where he um, had to lay the ball back to Joe Ward um, just because. You know, he he couldn't really get past both of them. So yeah, he definitely was getting special treatment today. Yeah, I mean, you you expect that from from uh, you know, obviously Tottenham have watched Wilf very very closely and tried to side him, so they know just how important he is. And, and yeah, like I say, there was a few people on uh, Twitter saying he had a bad game today, and I'll talk a little bit about that uh, later on. But I just thought that was interesting. Certainly in the first half, it was very very noticeable that Wilf was was pretty much marked out of the game. And, uh, and very effectively but it's a shame we didn't really take too much of advantage of it elsewhere so uh, and again I've you know the only other sort of fat thing in the, in the first half that I've got in my notes was about Rose being repeatedly left free on the left just the same as Cresswell last week but we've we've kind of covered that so we get to the get to nil nil at half time and it's a it's a good half you know we've we've held Tottenham at bay created a couple of chances ourselves you know been unlucky not to get a penalty and obviously Dan's header was pretty much as close as you can get without scoring so things are looking pretty good for us and um, you know a lot of credit goes Hodgson's way but almost straight away in the second half uh, I don't still to this moment I've I watched it a few times and I still don't quite know what happened uh, but Spurs sort of got, got into the right hand side of the penalty area and there was a bit of sort of pinball football going on and the ball ends up sort of lobbed up in the air, almost goes over Speroni. And I think really, Tim, I've got to go to you again on that. Um, Jules has sort of caught it, and then caught, uh, but just for that moment, it looked like it was looping over his head. Yeah, was that one? Yeah, yeah. He, he kind of knocked out for a corner, didn't he? In the end, he just sort of managed to get enough on it to to guide it away, didn't he? Uh, I think later on was the corner one. Uh, 
that he um, he did a very similar thing. You're right, but I think he was actually I think he was actually this one was actually going to loop into the net. He caught it above his head. But you're right. That was also later on as well, where he had to stretch for one and just about uh, well was just unable to keep it in. But no, you're you yeah. I mean, but I'm really using it as a way to get into talking about the game that Jules had today because obviously he has conceded a goal, which we come into a minute. But he was incredibly sharp and. I thought it was a strong performance today, and he's he's getting better with the more games that he plays. I just think, yeah, we, I was chatting to my mate, and we just think he looks so much sharper than he did a few weeks back, just with that match practice, just getting games under his belt again. He's back to the old jewels. Not that he did anything particularly wrong when he first came into the side, but I just feel the confidence with everyone is just growing. The more he's in the, you know, he's our back line basically. He's, you know, he's just so sound back there. Absolutely right, Dr. Do you have to credit the manager for? Finally taking that brave decision. Okay, you know, Hennessy got injured and Jules got his chance, but he's kept him in there. Yeah, you do. Um, there's, the Hennessy hasn't performed for a while and I thought we, that should have been our number one priority, getting rid of him, because even if he does perform, he will always have critics and if he doesn't, he will have critics. It's bad for him and us. And you have to give credit to Roy Hodgson. Um, he gave um, Sproni his chance and he sticked by him because Sproni has played well. Um, we haven't seen much of that uh, Sproni lately and see it's working out for us the defence seems better in position and seem more confident and so does Jules and Nick obviously Jules is we, we would talk about this you know a lot he's, he's in the twilight of his career but you know are you seeing the similar signs that he's actually far from finished he's got what's he on 396 games I think league games yeah, yeah. or 200 is it 296 or no no he's closing in on 400 I think yeah. that's incredible isn't it Absolutely incredible. Um, one, I'd like to see him break the 400 barrier anyway. But yeah, the defence is completely different. Completely different when he's there compared to um, Hennessy. He, he's just got control of the box. He might not be as nimble as he once was, but half the battle's giving you defence confidence. And if you've got a bloke behind you not giving you confidence, then you, you've, you're virtually letting a goal anyway, I think. It's really noticeable when you when you see the games on TV where they they give you a close up of Jules and he's always talking. Yeah, you know, and again, that's something that we've been critical of Wayne about. And this isn't this isn't a a witch hunt for Wayne Hennessy. I know it feels like it, but you know, at the end at the end of the day, I think we're all seeing a difference. And you know, Jules isn't a long term answer in the Premier League as as you know as a top goalkeeper. We've seen over the last couple of weeks. You know, t- today and we've seen last week where you've got if a keeper's making saves beyond those that you expect, it makes a huge, huge difference. It's the same, you know, it's as good as having someone who scores a goal up the other end. And perhaps Jules's days where he where he saves us like that are, uh, you know, are coming to an end. But you know, for me, it's it's been fantastic seeing him back, and I'm just so happy that he's actually improving. Do you know what I mean? I, I just. I wondered. I wondered if it was just a bit of match sharpness, a bit of match fitness, whether or not he'd actually pick up. And for me, for me, he is. He's, he's like he's never been away, and long may that continue. So again, I, I did fear a little bit the second half when they got that chance early on, and obviously they made the substitution at half time, bringing Musa Dembele on, who's a fabulous player, really, really good footballer. Um, but fortunately for us, for us, it wasn't 100% fit. Uh, when he came on for for Winks, who who got injured, so but he did make a difference. He did up the tempo slightly with the passing, and Tottenham looked like they were going to build up ahead of steam and just put us under pressure in the second half. But and they did do that for for you know a good five ten minutes. But then there was a really really big miss from Wilfred Zaha and Dr. Going to take you take us through that. Obviously the ball has gone forward to 
to Zaha. Well, so it's gone to Townsend, and Townsend played Zaha in, closing in on the keeper, takes it round him, and then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then what happened? It was, uh, I wouldn't say easy, but he done the difficult part. When it came to the easy part, that's where he unfortunately miskicked it. I don't think he actually put his head up. He didn't. He a little bit uh, misjudged where he was on the pitch, and I think that's what cost him. But yeah, it's just it's just luck, Chris. That's what I'm talking about. It just if we just if he put his head up, maybe he would have had a better idea where he was and slotted it in. But it just didn't happen. And there's so many chances we had this game that just didn't happen. It was just one of them days. And yeah, it's bad. For me, that that was the big one. And you've you've picked out the thing that I was going to uh, pick out as well, which is where you know he hasn't looked up once after since he's gone around the keeper. Uh, and it's great in one sense because you know that Will's playing with a picture in his head of how the game looks. And the very best players are able to do that. But you have got to get your head up when you're running with the ball. You know, you've got you've got to keep that picture up. To, and when he's taken it as wide as he has, you can, you can feel that he, he thinks he's wider. Because he really wraps his foot around it and falls over as it as he hits the as he hits the ball, so he thinks he's probably about you know five ten feet wider than he is, and really it's an open goal. You know the guy has missed an open goal, and um, it's absolutely gutting, isn't it, Tim? I suppose head in hands at the ground. Yeah, I mean I must admit it all happened in slow motion as well because Wilf went through and it was one on one, and the keeper came rushing out and he just sort of stopped because I thought for a moment he was going to clatter Wilf and we was going to get a penalty. Uh, but then obviously the wheel went round him and, and I must admit, I thought it was going in from where I was angled um, and I was shocked to see it go wide. And I just, I don't know how close it was in the end, but it sounds like probably not as close as it, you know, as it, as I thought it probably was at the time. But um, no, yeah, no, I honestly yeah. thought it was going in. I uh, finished well wide in the end. And um, Nick, the, 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 Sort of comments on Twitter from those who don't watch Wilf every week. All of a sudden, have been oh, Alan Shearer was right, right, no end product, all this kind of crap. Incredibly frustrating, isn't it? Because he's all he's really done is missed a chance. He has, and where was PVA sliding in this time, eh? Could have done with him there. Um, he should have taken a couple of touches, maybe. Um, I take in take on board what you're saying about um, knowing where the goal is, but he's got to do better there. He's got to do better there. But it's one of those things, isn't it? Rush of blood to the head. I'm going to score at Wembley. You forget it's Wembley. I don't know how much that affects opposition teams now against Tottenham because Tottenham are getting used to playing there, aren't they? Uh, well, I guess they are. And it's funny enough, I uh, talked to some Spurs fans pre-season and they were saying that, you know, Wembley's going to be a millstone around their neck. And I said, you know, I reckoned after, you know, three or four games, I said it'll start to be a millstone around the visiting team's neck because you'll get used to it. And it'll still be this big thing that people turning up. And, you know, it's still the Wembley changing rooms. It's still the Wembley tunnel. It's still, you know, a very, very impressive and different ground. Uh, and I think yeah, that might be a factor. But I don't honestly don't think that's got, that's in Wilf's head when he's when he's doing that. I just think he's been he's so confident and he's so convinced that he's got the picture in his head right that he's felt he doesn't need to look. And just again, that's just that's a bit of experience. That's a bit of technique. That's a bit of you know, he's been out, we forget that he was out for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, and there's perhaps still a little bit of rustiness there as well, despite how well he's played since he's come back. So, you know, it happens. It's, it's one of those things. And, and the best thing for me off the back of that was we didn't let it get to us. So moments later, Townsend goes through and puts a cross in from the left that just evades Wilf, pressing and pressing. And then it's not long after that that, uh, that Luca 
uh, gets a chance. So we'll talk about that in just a moment, uh, but Nick's going to give us some chat room update. Chat room update. Wholeradio.net forward slash chat if you want to join us. Um, I won't give the names. Lots of people in here um, should have taken an extra touch. Quality players don't need to look up. They just know the place of the goal. On TV, you could see he didn't look up and just hit it. It was a terrible miss. Uh, Zaha could have got closer before slotting into the net. Zaha is poor at shooting. That's one of his biggest issues. Um, Wrote training on finishing. Um, Amongst them is Booted Eagle, Grumpy Moore, Ash Eagle. I think I've mentioned some of the others. A nice little uh, selection there. Thanks, Nick. Thanks to everyone there. And, um, yeah, like like I say, then Luca gets a chance and it's a near post header. And I'm going to go to Tim again. Tim, celebrating at Wembley, were you? I celebrated many times today. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, no, to no avail. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just constant pressure from us. I mean, Spurs had their chance, you know, Spurs had possession as well, but we just seemed to keep breaking away. And you just think one of these has just got to go in. And of course, we know it didn't. Um, so, yeah, it's just, and then what you'll come to next, no doubt, is just sums it up, really. Well, it does, because what happened was the pressure that you talked about broke down, and it broke down initially with something that Nick touched on earlier, which was it was actually uh, Son who went down in the box, uh, in his own box, clutching his head, um, just while we were really at the momentum going. Uh, and the ref basically obviously stopped the play and called for a drop ball, and Son was almost immediately up on his feet and jogging away fine. You know, you could see the players were a bit annoyed about it. The crowd was certainly annoyed about it. And within a couple of minutes, you know, things turned. Uh, Nick, cool. If you go down with a head injury, then you've got to be off the pitch for three minutes. That way, you get rid of all the cheaters trying to stop the play. Right. I mean, other than the fact you said was there, which made me extremely... I shouldn't have said that. I I do apologise to everybody. If you're editing the podcast, Tom, can you edit that out, please? Yeah, thanks, thanks. Yeah, please do that, Tom. Or at least beep it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dio, you wanted to say something there. Um, why three minutes? It's the first number <laughs> that came into my head. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I do see where you're coming from there. With um, If they're injured, they should go off the pitch. Um, but yeah, it was quite weird. You said three minutes, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, listen, it was just Nick's arbitrary, uh, arbitrary figure. Let's not get too, too, uh, too carried away on that, Tim. And also, with a, with a drop ball, when did a drop... You know, why is there no 50-50 drop ball anymore where you can actually have a go at it? And, you know, we was right in there half. Why couldn't we have a go at it rather than sort of it gets kicked right back to Speroni or whatever and then we have to start all over again? Well, yeah, ex- exactly. Football, it's hard. Football's gone soft, hasn't it? Yeah, well, for me, that should have been a contested ball, uh, drop ball, perhaps. At the very least, I don't know. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah, so I don't, but then it's it's, oh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you, you could then argue that, well, what right have they got to contest it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, it's very frustrating to, to, to see that happen. But it did, it for whatever reason, that little thing, that little delay just took the sting out of what we were doing. We were really building to something. You kind of just sensed that at any moment we were going to get the goal back, Get sorry, get the goal to go ahead. Um, and then afterwards, I think it's pretty fair to say Spurs started to really stick their, their their boot in a bit. Sanchez, again in particular, was getting a little bit sort of aggressive. Uh, Rose then kept getting in on the left-hand side and got away with it a couple of times. And then all of a sudden, it was Son getting away on the left-hand side and we were getting away with it. But eventually, Kane gets a sort of chance and, and almost sort of tries to turn and strike it, deflects out to Rose, 
Rose as a good effort and it's really well blocked. And you think we think, well, we've stopped that there. That's you know, that's that's fantastic. What great block that was. Ball rolls to the feet of Johan Kabai and Kabai's clearance, there's no other word for it. It was just appalling. Absolutely terrible. He's not looked, he's not tried to play it to a safe area. He's just kicked it. It's a very weak kick, straight back uh to I don't know if it was directly to Son, I can't remember now, but it was it but in any case, Son's the one who ends up with the shot, just takes his time, rolls the ball to his left-hand side and then just curls the ball into the corner. Spironi can't get anywhere near it. No keeper's really getting anywhere near it. It's an absolutely fantastic finish, but Spurs certainly didn't deserve it. And um, and we're 1-0 down and absolutely gutting, wasn't it, Tim? Yeah, you knew as soon as um, Son got the ball in that area, you knew exactly where it was going. Um, he'd had a couple of chances earlier in the game, but... At that moment, after the instant down the other end, I'd, it was obvious that was going to happen. And uh, suddenly there was a bit of noise in the ground because before then I didn't even realise Spurs were there, to be honest, the supporters. No, no, you were telling us pre-game that it was absolutely awful, the atmosphere from them. Um, you got, I suppose you've got to feel for them in some ways because we all know, even with our fans, when we when we half-filled it in the playoffs, we were loud, but it was actually difficult to get, to get a song going without it going out of time with with the other side of the ground and all that kind of stuff. But it didn't even look like Spurs tried. No, whether they thought they, after Real Madrid in the week, it was a case of turning up today and just turning us over. Um, you know, I don't know, but it was obviously a bit flat after Wednesday night for them anyway, playing uh, Plucky Palace. Yeah. Plucky Palace. One of the, one of the phrases I hate <laughs> with a real passion. Uh, Dion, very unlucky to go one nil down, weren't we? And did you kind of feel the fear the worst at that point? Game over? Um, not really, because um, after that, I, I knew that the game would be more open. Um, I know that we'll push more, and it was the case we did push on. We, there was gaps in defence, but yeah, we it was it was a more open game. I didn't fear the worst. I still felt like we had a chance, but yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah, and and Nick, it was obviously Kabai's mistake to clear it the way he did. I mean, I actually thought he had a pretty strong game. I've seen some people say they thought he was poor today. What was your view? I thought we had a very good game, apart from that poor clearance. I, I just don't know why we're just trying to hoof it out from defence all the time when we've got somebody like Sacco in there, who quite often we intricately play it out. But oh, I don't know. He's, he's allowed an error here or there, you know, if Hennessy makes an error, if Speroni makes an error. You know, they all make errors. And it was one of those things. It, it was just a bit galling because we, we, we didn't deserve to be down. And Son always scores against us. Always. He does, he does. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. If Harry Kane doesn't, Son will. 
<laughs> um, I'm just going to break away from the. We've got a couple more bits to talk about about what happened in the second half. But just seen a, a tweet coming from Neil Tipping, and he's saying neither Ward nor Schlupp should be in the team. Uh, Ward is shot of confidence, and Schlupp does nothing. Well, you know we've talked about Ward a little bit, but let's talk a little bit about Jeffrey Schlupp. Maybe mainly because we keep saying his name differently all the time, and I'm quite enjoying that. But uh, the second part was well, Neil was saying that he does nothing. How do you feel about that, Nick? I'm just looking at his stats on Squawker. Three interceptions, five clearances, one foul, one card, two throw-ins. Um, sorry, you caught me on hot there. He won 33% of aerial jewels. His passing was 86%, um, but he got a performance of two stars. Um, he huffs <laughs> and he puffs, doesn't he? <laughs> sorry, I'm just... Incredible, incredible stat, live stats from Nick there. I wasn't expecting that. Um, That's great. So there you go. Well, the... Cool. All these tabs open. That's amazing. Well, you've got the, sto- the story of the stats from Nick. Tim, what was the story of the game? Yeah, I, I can see why why Neil's saying that, that Schlupp does nothing. But, uh, he's, yeah, I mean, he's fairly ineffective, to be honest. He, he, he does a little bit here and there. Um, he did okay when he kind of got pushed further back when, when Ward went off. But, no, it, he doesn't really offer as much as I'd expect moving forwards, if I'm honest. Um yeah, I, I expect more, of, I, I, I think, um, on, on that left-hand side. What about your thoughts on that, DR? How do you, how do you rate Jeffrey Schlupp? Well, he can't play left-back. Um, <laughs> he's not good at defending. And going forward, he's a little bit... Mm, like he's not he's not really significant. He doesn't cause a massive threat. Now and then he does, but most majority of times he doesn't. So I think he's there to add up numbers, to be fair. I don't think there's anyone else that could play there and be effective. When Ben Ticket comes back... Maybe uh, when we have Townsend and Zaha playing wide, you could probably get them dropped down and it'll probably be better. Interesting. I mean, there's certainly ways you could shuffle it if once we've got a, a striker actually playing. I certainly agree with that. But uh, for me, he's done okay. I, I, would, I certainly wouldn't say he does nothing. I would say I'd certainly go with what the team is saying where we're saying he doesn't do enough going forward because I think he's better than that. I think, you know, he's, he's a forward player who's been converted to defence for a start. So, whilst I can kind of forgive a degree of, you know, a degree of hesitancy in, in defence when he's playing left back, I do think he should be much more confident than he is going forward. And I think confidence is perhaps the word. I don't, I wouldn't say he's ever really settled into the team for any length of time. And he's sort of been in and out, in and out of the side, had a couple of injuries. Uh, he's not made a position his own. He's until recently where he's been playing in this left-hand side of midfield role that calls for him to come central quite a lot. So I don't really know what to make of it at the moment. I think he actually, I would agree with what Tim was saying. He actually looked better when dropped back to the left-back position in the, in the reshuffled formation. So maybe time for another chance in that position. I'm not so sure, but uh, interesting views from, from Neil there. Thanks for those. And I'm sure uh, both those players will be debated further um, as, as we go through the season. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, Nick, got another one in there? From from Lions Lions five fifties contributing well tonight. That's wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Who else do we have to play on the left? Ryderveld. Well, he, he played left back for Ajax. Couldn't Toby Reed? Um, he played centre back and centre defensive midfield. Um, so yeah, what's what's the um, what's the deal with Ryderveld? Because he was kind of um, one of De Boer's signings, wasn't he? Part he of was the master plan. <laughs> He was 
he was part of the master plan. He's for, he's, for me, he's a very good footballer. We've got to find a place for him. We've got to find a way of integrating him because I think he's excellent. I said it a few weeks back. For me, he's like an actual successor to Kabai in the midfield. But, you know, if you go back to where he last started a game against Bristol City, he's got to be a hell of a lot better than that uh, before he's going to get a chance in this team. I can say that without with a with degree of certainty. Um, I have absolutely no objection for him to, to play left side, try him at left back. No, the way I, the way I felt today was that, and I'm sure some people have said this to me before, I bet the best left back at our club is still Joel Ward. And I kind of kind of agree with that after today because um, no one else has particularly impressed me there. And I thought Ward did a good job today. But, uh, but there we go. So, yeah, a good, good little diversion there. Um, so obviously we've got one nil down, gents. We and I think it's fair to say that sort of two three minutes after we were one nil down, we certainly were unsettled. And Spurs did relax, and it gave a different kind of feel to the game. And I really did worry at that point that we weren't going to get anything like another chance into it. And perhaps Spurs would go on and score more. But about five minutes into that, we recovered a bit, and we had that. I suppose Wilf's gone through, and we've got that thing where you've you've got does he take it on? sort of try and drill it bottom corner or does he play it to the completely unmarked Ruben Loftus cheek on the right hand side of the pitch now DR he's done neither hasn't he <laughs> <laughs> nah he hasn't um, yeah you just said it he hasn't done neither you could have you could have given it to Loftus cheek um, but yeah he hasn't done nothing and it's just a waste of a chance but yeah but we did come back though Chris we didn't um, we did observe a lot of Tottenham attack after they did score a goal but we didn't sit back all game. We did come back into the game, which was positive to see. Yeah, too right. And, you know, after Wilf's had that that moment there, where, I mean, obviously, if he, if he just chips the ball to Loftus-Cheek, Loftus-Cheek scores. Uh, if he drills it, the keeper's at least got to make a save and he does drill it in between the two. But it's not long after that, he basically tackles back and in our own third, runs runs up to the pit, up the pitch, plays Kabay in. Kabay has a poor shot from range, but again, it's the intense there. And as you're saying, DR, he's... We're really pushing to get back into that team. And Roy makes a, an aggressive substitution and taking Joel Ward off, bringing on uh, Bakary Sacco and switching Schlupp to left back, going to the 4-3-3 that we actually look a lot more comfortable at. Uh, same time, Spurs brought Lorente on for Kane. thought, well, he's another one who scores against us, but he didn't see anything of the ball. And, um, and Palace were just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing for opportunities. Really couldn't find any. And a couple of times we nearly got caught on the break with Son just sort of sitting down on the, on the, on the Spurs' left-hand side in an attacking position and waiting for the ball to be locked, not to be knocked long to him. But, uh, yeah, and, and again, we kind of just petered out, really. And I want to talk about one of the reasons for that, and that is uh, Bakary Sacco. Oh! Uh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, I know... Well, we've got noise, similar noises from me, <laughs> Nick, there. Uh, so, Tim, you didn't make a similar noise... How did you feel his contribution was today? Without the ball, it's okay. Um, with it, not so good. I just We did press. Once Sacco came on, there was Wilf, Townsend and Sacco all pressing. And what was happening was the keeper was, where he was trying to do his short passes out, he was then under pressure a bit. As the ball come back to him, he was just kicking it nowhere. And then we got the ball back and we, you know, we kind of attacked and attacked again. So in that sense, he was doing his job. But there was a moment where... He was played in and he was offside and, you know, he was kind of born offside. It's just, it's just frustrating really for me. 
born offside, is it? You know, he said you said that when he when he went there was a moment where he was offside. It's like there's more than one moment where he was offside. <laughs> yeah, he was exactly. continuously offside. Um, exactly. You know, I, I said last week when he came on against West Ham, I thought he caused a bit of mischief and did quite well. And I was almost calling for him to start in a four three three this in this game, but uh, I thought we saw the other side of Bakary Seko, which you know I've seen some people say on Twitter. Things like he can't actually play football, and as much as I think, you know, clearly he can play football. Um, I'm not too sure what level it's at. Dio, what was your view? Um, with Sacco, it's just if we're going to bring him on, it we should bring him on maybe once we're winning um, to put pressure onto defenders because the only thing he's really good at is when he's off the ball. Um, when he's on the ball, he, don't get me wrong, he has a very good, uh, well, not very good, he has a very powerful left foot. But other than that, he can't really contribute to the game. I don't think he's Premier League quality and it's just uh, the depth and skill in our bench. If we have to look at Sacco and uh, to change the game, it's quite worrying, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. yeah. Look, it, it, it's it's little things. It's, it's, the, it's the technique, it's playing, you know, overhit, you overhit pretty much every pass. You know, sometimes he traps the ball further than I can kick it. He's, you know, he's got, there is ability there somewhere. And I think, I think it was Terence who once said to me, uh, Bakary Sacco's got a world-class left foot and the league won rest of him. (laughs) You know, and it does (laughs) does kind of feel a bit like that. Nick, you were similarly nonplussed. Yeah, bless him. He's in his left midfield. He was always good there. I remember him playing for Wolves, tearing us a new one when he first started. Yeah, He's yeah. fast. He gets down the wing. He harries. He hustles. But up front, no. You're better off having Dan there. I, you know Sacco what? centre-back. And actually, <laughs> putting Sacco centre-back up front and putting Sacco the forward as centre-back might work. Right, right next corner of his insane team formation again. No, but Sacco had lots of chances. The Sacco with an H had lots of chances. Yeah, but didn't, didn't come in back. fact, he looked more likely to score than the Sacco without an H. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Look, I, I, I want this, you know, the Bakri Sacco that joined us played about three or four games and looked a world beater because he was getting shots away and scoring. So, you know, obviously he got that great goal against Chelsea that springs to mind. You know, he really contributed. And as you say, Nick, it's a fair point to say that we're not playing in, in his position. He's been asked to do a job out of position, but. You know, what, what I think got to people today and, and certainly got to me today was, you know, we've got 50, comes on with 15 minutes left in the game and we've really got to get something. We've really got to push for something here. And unfortunately, he took the momentum out of us rather than creating the momentum by just being sloppy, just, just wandering offside, not holding the line. There's a couple where he had the whole line to look across and was still offside. You know, there was, I think it was a ball forward from Sacco for him to run onto. Now, so I don't think he'd have got there anyway, but he, he just wasn't looking. He was two, three yards offside, and it's incredibly frustrating. Um, but there we go. It's... It's when you're trying to put players in positions that they're not familiar with at Premier League level, I suppose in some ways you could say, you know, you, you deserve what you get. You know, that's that's. But he always really- does it. Hasn't always seen it. Hasn't he done it in training? Wrote offside training for him. Wrote shooting training for Wilf. Um, it it really is annoying when you when it takes the impetus away from us. Yeah, because it did. That's what it did. It did. It took the impetus away. I know you tried to press me to use the word impetus earlier, but you've got it in there yourself. Yeah. Um, 
I suppose the, the last moment we had a chance to get anything was uh, was an effort from Townsend, who I thought again had quite a good game. Uh, slightly less effective in terms of his final ball and creation of chances that he had been in the last few games. But, uh, but he actually you know, took a really positive run at goal, took a left foot shot that was blocked. But once you saw the angle from behind it, you know, it was going top corner. That was that was going in. But, uh, but you know, Spurs defended pretty well all game, you have to say. And uh, unfortunately, that was our, our last moment, all in vain. And, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Tim, you wanted to talk a little bit about Sacco in the warm-up as well, actually. Yeah, well, when I was doing the, the old um, the drill where they all have a shot at the keeper, he was the only one that was constantly just hitting it straight at the keeper. So I didn't see this uh, Premier League shot on him at all. That was more League One as well, to be honest. Yeah, it doesn't that's, feel, that's being generous. It doesn't fill you with confidence if, uh, even in the warm-up he's not, not testing a goalkeeper. So No, exactly. Nah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. So, Dio, we've obviously got... You know, we, we've we've played well today. We've strung some pretty good performances together over the last few weeks. I think it's fair to say Hodgson's methods and his coaching staff methods are actually having a difference. Uh, a lot of the pundits today were talking about, you know, Palace were a team. If they play like that, there's no way they'll go down. Lots of positivity around how Palace performed, but again, zero points. So, really, really big for the next few games for us, isn't it? Very. Um, we've got eight winnable games coming up, and I think that's what's going to define our season. I said before, uh, looking um, a couple, well, in around September, October time when I was on the show, I said November. Once we reach November, then we can look back um, and decide if we're going to get relegated or not. And I think with these eight games, we're going to go all the way to December. I, around January time, we'll, we'll probably find out how big or mess we're in, or. If we have a chance to survive, we've got winnable games and we have to perform as we did and get some points. um, Obviously, you could talk about them being winnable games. Obviously, it's Everton up next and uh, after the international break, which, of course, our next show will be uh, Terence previewing that. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk. Well, obviously, do download that and subscribe to the podcast so you can hear uh, Terence and the team's views on how we think we'll do there. But, you know, looking, looking beyond that, you call them winnable games. And I suppose that goes back to what I was just saying with, with the pundits saying, Oh, if you continue to play like this against the so-called lesser teams, then, uh, then we'll be okay. But the trouble is, do we play like no. that? <laughs> no. We're rubbish. In fact, um, I'm glad Everton won today because if they hadn't, then they'd have been on a, that really, 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 really bad run that we really give games away to. Well, exactly right. <laughs> I mean, look, Everton's a, it's a tricky one. It's a home game, and I think we've been pretty strong at home. And we've got a little run of two games so far of, of undefeated at home where we've got a, a win and a draw. And I think it's really important that we get something against Everton uh, to take into the Stoke game. Um, and I fancy us to beat Stoke, I really do. I think we're, we're set up in a certain way that will will really trouble them. Um, and I think they've looked very suspect this year. Uh, I do fancy us to beat Stoke. And then it's the massive game, Brighton away, which uh, I cannot wait to go to. Uh, and if we lose, there will be no show. <laughs> are we, have we um, got any ticket news for that tonight, Chris? I'm joking. <laughs> I know you're only joking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those who don't know what well, that's a reference to, well, it's a reference to something inaccurate said by uh, by Nick uh, Philpott in the uh, in the preview show there is no 600 ticket allocation for the HF I don't know where that came from I really don't 
Apologies for any offence, cause, but please don't believe everything you hear, <laughs> because especially on this show, because <laughs> <laughs> most of it's bollocks. Um, no, look, in, in all seriousness, looking ahead at the games we've got, Dio's right to point them out as winnable, but. You know, get it. I, I, well, I'll give us an arbitrary target. I think we, you know, get it, get it into the end of December towards the uh, the opening of the transfer window. We've really got to see us, you know, certainly within a, a couple of points of being out of the relegation zone by those the end of those games. So, you know, we got to we got to see wins. You know, you sort of win your home games, get at least a point away. We've got to do that, as DR says, maybe the next eight games or so to give ourselves any kind of a chance. And for us to actually get into the, the transfer window and feel that it's worth an investment to keep us in the league. Because if we're so far adrift come January, well, what's the point? What's the point in going to spend an absolute fortune if you're already kind of dead and buried? That's, that's the kind of decisions that the board are going to have to make. And uh, I really hope the team can continue this upturn and, and, and sort of maybe give the board something to think about in terms of the investment in January. Because Hodgson's already talked about the fact that, you know, we really need some strength in depth. There's obviously no doubt that we need to, we need to buy some players up front. Uh, but there's also the goalkeeper to think about, and I think at the moment, the way we're looking, both fullback positions, if we can, so maybe do some uh, in transfer ins and outs to kind of manufacture something there, that would be pretty helpful. Um, so before we go, just to go around the team, see if they've got anything else they want to add, Nick. I hate doing show, shows on the day of the game. I'm still disconsolate. It's, yeah. it's it, you know, we played really, really well, but we lost again, and it's getting a bit boring. Yeah, you said uh, said earlier on that we we're running out of time and. Point I made, obviously, it's only one game at a time, <laughs> so there's still plenty of time left yet. But you know, like you say, on the day of the game, it's very hard to, to to keep yourself positive when you haven't picked up points. Yeah, as um, Ash Eagle said in the chat room, uh, the blueprint in it should be the first season shortly after Pulis came in. We'll have four wins by Christmas. Uh, Ash, he says we need 15 points minimum at halfway mark. Um, and Toby said we'll have Ben Teke and Wickham back in January hopefully so probably wouldn't buy a striker yeah well Benteke will definitely be back um, Wickham not so sure but like I say I think we've we've got to have learned a lesson here and we've got to go out and get someone and I'm sure the guys are working on that at the club uh, Tim anything else to add I'm a bit more upbeat at the moment I, I took a lot of heart from today's performance uh, simply because you know the worst case is we could have gone to to Spurs today and get absolutely turned over and we didn't do that we were in the game right till the last dying seconds which which impressed me and um, the chances we created as well, you know, Tottenham, they knew they'd been in for a tough game today and you saw the reaction of Ericsson whacking the ball afterwards. I think they knew that they were fortunate to get three points today. So, you know, we've, we've turned around the performances of late. Yeah. The results still, you know, we've, we've got to get those results. Um, I know that, but at least we're going in the right direction in terms of performance. So on that note, you know, I'm a lot happier than I was, um, you know, about a month ago or so. Yeah, good to hear that. That's you know, sort of matches my own feelings definitely. But uh, Dr, you got anything to add? Um, not really. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> <Right>. perf- <laughs> the, the performances are there. We've had them for Chelsea, Newcastle, West Ham, and Spurs. But the points is what matters, and I'm worried about it kind of because we're not getting what we deserve. But yeah, we should see what happens. Yeah, no, I suppose that is the kind of summary at the moment: not getting what we we deserve. But if that continues, it doesn't matter what you deserve. It really doesn't, unfortunately. So we've got a very, very talented squad. Uh, we've got to add to it in January. And like I say, I think the signs are there. The, the, the team understands exactly what Roy Hodgson and his, his 
his staff want of him. I think, as Tim says, you, you can take today as a huge positive and a, a step in the right direction if you want. But, I, but by the flip side, you can also take it as yet another game where we haven't scored, where our deficiencies weren't addressed when they should have been addressed. And unfortunately, we're paying the penalty for it now. So you can look at it both ways. I choose to look quite positively at it. Um, I'm absolutely convinced we're going to get something against Everton and beat Stoke. And then I think I think it's weird to say it, but I think the Brighton game could really define where we go this season. I think if we actually beat Brighton, which we should, we're a better team than Brighton. And if we beat them, I think that's going to be the springboard we need. I think players, fans, club, everyone will just feed off of that and we'll we'll, uh, we'll go on and be comfortable. There you go. That is my prediction. <laughs> I'm going to leave it there. If I say any more, I'm uh, going to really regret it. So uh, thanks for sticking with us. Like Palace, we had a sticky start today, but uh, I thought we got thought by the end we've been all right. So let's hope that's uh, you know a sign for the season. Thanks a lot. We'll be back soon. Cheers. Bye. Chris Sambling's gone all ranty, something's really wound him up, he's using lots of nutty words, like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake, it's going to get quite heated, the air is turning blue, the refs have come, the players are, and guess what, so are you, he'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such, but please don't get him started on Jordan Mutch. So it's time for another Hamblings Ramblings. Had a week off last week because I simply couldn't be bothered to think of anything. Uh, However, this week, I've definitely got something to say. Something to get increasingly angry about as time wears on. So, you know, Palace, we always have this thing, don't we, where we like to either break people's bad records. So if they've not won away all season, they'll come to Sellers Park and mysteriously put on a great performance and beat us. Uh, But I think recently has been to... Uh, give people the opportunity to score goal of the season contenders against us at a huge volume and uh, I think we've managed to shake that which has been a real positive in the last sort of couple of months or so however we started a new one haven't we we've seen it over the last few weeks but in particular over the last couple of games you see Joe Hart the much maligned Joe Hart uh, you know sort of gradually his powers have been decreasing and decreasing and uh, lots of calls for him to be dropped from England he's made some very high profile mistakes Man City ditched him he went out to Italy and in Italy didn't exactly sort of shine most most of the Napoli fans pretty thought he was pretty poor couldn't understand why he's the England number one comes back goes to West Ham and you think well you know is it a good signing is it not some sort of mixed games early on Rocks up at Sellers Park and suddenly Joe Hart is a superman. His hands grow so twice the size. He's leaping around the goal, deflecting everything. He has best game in, in a, you know two years at the very least against us, and you know otherwise we're walking away with that game. But then, then that's you know as if that's not enough. We get to Wembley, we look at Tottenham's lineup. Hugo Lloris is injured, Vorm's out, and then all of a sudden they're down to their third choice keeper, Paolo Gazaniga. Uh, you know, okay, so a couple of games here and there in, in the Premier League, uh, but it's his first performance for Spurs, and it's their third choice keeper. Our third choice keeper didn't get a contract for Peterborough until we picked him up. So that's kind of the levels that we're talking about here. So, you know, you're thinking this is a good chance. Larice always, he's always a board in our side. Uh, we had a horrible time of it last week. This will be fine, right? Wrong. 
wrong. Paolo Gasaniga was the best goalkeeper in the world today. I don't know if he's inspired by Spironi up the other end. He's got to be his hero, right? Right? He's Argentinian. He's got to be his hero. Best Argentinian goalkeeper ever. Anyway, it was so incredibly frustrating. I can't really take it. But one thing did occur to me. Is this why Wayne kept getting picked? Because in training, when he was against Palace players, maybe he looked superhuman as well. A little bit of a thought at the end there. Hello ladies and gentlemen, it's Terence here from the Preview Podcast and I am hopping around on both feet, absolutely dying for the loo. So this is going to be a quick one. In case you missed the Preview Podcast this week, you did not hear that Hambo, yes, Chris Hambo Hambling, who presents this very podcast that you listen to, drives a Jag. Yes, a Jag. So when everybody who put into that crowdfunding this year for Homesdale Radio you know where your money went. Not on the Jag, he can afford it, but he can't afford the petrol. So all of the money went for Chris Hambo's petrol money in his Jag. I don't mean that. Just just in case there's anyone who actually thought that was serious, I don't mean that. It all went towards recording equipment, which is why I basically sound so incredibly amazing right now. So I'm here to remind you that from Wednesday night in two weeks, because this is an international break, preview podcast will be back from all good podcast outlets available from 10 p.m for you to listen to the talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with three for mental health awareness week this year beyond the pitch beyond the results we're here to connect fans getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans we're a team With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.